am Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. It's time for, for Antiques. antiques. <laughs> <laughs> An Antiques adjacent jabber. This week, we will be discussing a short horror story called Stilton's Antiques. Is the title the entire reason we picked it to read? Yes. And it, for once, um, well, it did disappoint, but in a way different way than I was expecting. <laughs> Stilton's Antiques is a short story by Bruce Blake, published December 6, 2010, in the fiction horror general category, and rated four and a half stars out of five stars based on two reviews. Which is amazing because it's 36 pages long and 18 of those pages are the story and the remaining 18 pages are advertisements for his other stories. (laughs) I assume the one he cared more about? I don't know. (laughs) I was starting to feel a little bad about like, man, maybe I'm nitpicking. Maybe this story isn't as bad as I feel like it is. And then I reached the end of the story halfway through the book I'd purchased and realized, oh no, this is justified. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure the the book that's being advertised in the back is, like, absolutely nothing to do with anything with the story that was sold. Absolutely nothing. However, the blurb for Stilton's Antiques is as follows. The antique porcelain doll was the last thing Janice's estranged husband bought for the antique store before he deserted her and their daughter Emily. As life as she knew it dissolves bit by bit, Janice realizes extravagant purchases like the doll may mean the end of Stilton's Antiques. She doesn't realize, however, that this particular doll could mean the end of everything. Dee, do you feel the story load up to the promise of that blurb? Not even remotely. (laughs) Not even a little. There's a lot of sentences in that blurb that, quite frankly, would be bugfuck if you read the story first and then read the blurb. Now, as an antiques person, how did you feel about the antiques in this story? Surprisingly good. All right. Now, as a horror person, how did you feel about the horror in this story? Oh, uh, surprisingly bad. (laughs) Set up actually really strong. The first part, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was fact-checking literally every mention of actual antiques. I was surprised. It was pretty on point. I have one, I I don't know if you could say an extremely major nitpick. I guess to other people this wouldn't bother them, but it does for me. Morning dolls aren't made of porcelain. Almost ever. What are they made of? Usually wax. Oh. Because they had to be made fairly quickly. Most of the time, a mourning doll was buried with the child or left at the gravesite. So you couldn't fucking wait around for someone to cast porcelain. So the reason this comes up is because the doll in question in the blurb and in the story is a mourning doll. A doll that is supposedly cast from a dead child to remember them by. Which in the story is porcelain, but in real life would have been wax, and I'm honestly surprised they existed. Yeah, they are real. Like I said, uh, very few survived because they did tend to A, be wax, and B, be buried alongside the child. Wait, so you- okay, sorry. You get a wax mold of your kid that you bury with the kid? Sometimes. Sometimes it would be placed on top of, like, if it was in a crypt. It would just be kind of placed on the memorial so that you could, for a while, go and, like, see the image of the child. Less commonly, but still, like, not unheard of, would be people who kept them. Again, like, these didn't survive the years because they did tend to be wax. The people who kept them tended to have them in sort of shrines. They used them very much like reborn dolls. I was just about to say, they remind me an awful lot of reborns. Occasionally, even if the child had died too soon for them to have made, like, a proper room for it, they would have one done for the morning doll. And it would be a way for the parents to kind of work their way through the grief. So a lot like sort of the beginning of Reborns. 
it would be unusual for someone to give a morning doll to a child to play with. I would say highly unusual, and it was already fairly unlikely for people to keep them in the first place. But yes, a morning doll made of porcelain is at the center of this spooky, spooky story. So as the blurb implies, the mom and the four-year-old daughter have just taken control over the antique store that the husband bought before he mysteriously vanished. Mysteriously. Mysteriously. And the doll is introduced within the first few paragraphs of the story with... Emily stared at the porcelain corpse laid out in the glass display case. I gotta say, immediately extremely misleading. Black patent leather shoes gleamed. The white christening dress looked laundered and crisp. The four-year-old's gaze moved up to the porcelain fingers with chipped ends like the doll had a habit of chewing its nails. Finally, she looked at the doll's smooth cheeks, red lips, empty eye holes. Two marbles painted with blue irises and black pupils stared unblinkingly from the velvet cloth at the doll's side. That's another thing. The next line is the little kid asking why the doll's eyes are out. Why are the doll's eyes out? In the realm of antiques, that would be very weird. You just get some museum wax and pop those suckers right back in because nobody's going to want to buy an horrible eyeless doll. Like, when I first read it, I was like, oh, well, the eyes got knocked out. I've seen plenty of dolls in that condition. But then, like, the next sentence is like, the eyes are sitting on a cushion next to the thing. I'm like, put them back! (laughs) Maybe this story wouldn't happen if they'd done that. I don't know. And this is echoed again later in the story when Emily's eyes were opened so wide it seemed they threatened to pop out and lay atop the display case beside her the way the dolls rested on the velvet cloth. Spooky. Am I not allowed to say foreshadowing? You could say foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. We're going to be spoiling this entire story because it takes up 18 of 36 promised pages. Yeah. (laughs) It's short. Yeah, so that's foreshadowing. It's not clever or subtle, but it is. And it's not, like, a short story that packs a lot into very few words. Yeah, no. It's a short story that takes surprisingly so many words to tell what is, in fact, a three-sentence horror story. (laughs) Exactly. Girl find doll. Doll kill girl. New girl find doll. Doll kill new girl? Womp womp womp. So yes, uh, the doll is haunted, question mark, and kills the little girl and puts the little girl in the glass case in its place and swaps out their eyes for their eyes. Oh God. Eye switch. Switch <laughs> the eyes. Spooty. That's where it started getting confusing, especially since they don't spare a lot of words to describe what happened. Because it's like, the kid is dead, Archie, and then the kid is the doll, and then the doll has the kid's eyes? And then the doll of the kid that is the kid, are you, like, perhaps maybe you're getting where I was confused is like, what, how, what sequence of events had happened here? Doll get out of case. Doll put child in case. Doll take child's eyes and put in own eye socket. But then was the kid eyeless in, at the end? Yes, because the glass doll's eyes were still like in the case beside them. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well, like, just use your own fucking eyes. That bothers me so- <laughs> Like, it has eyes, like, what, and, like- There's no legend <laughs> to the doll. There's no backstory to the doll. There's no, like, informative index card in the doll case saying, Oh, this came from so-and-so's estate, made him the image of their dead daughter, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just, oh, we bought this stupid doll. Oh, it's evil. Oh, someone else owns the doll now. It also, like- the doll doesn't need eyes. That, like, I can't- I know that I am fixating, but the doll, like, demonstrably isn't- does not require eyes at the moment. It has a set that it's not using. Very much so, yes. It felt like this story wanted to be a YouTube horror short. 
Very much. It could be very punchy as a creepypasta or as like a jump scare. I don't know if it's effective as 18 or 36 promise pages. Like a short animation even? Yeah. You just take these like major beats. So how would you fix this story? I would remove the existence of the eyes. <laughs> the doll's remaining eyes, I would not put them there. They would not be there. They're very much a Chekhov's gun to me, where like everything that happened, I kept like looking to see what was happening with the little eyes that were left over. Because it felt important. But without the eyes lying on the velvet cushion, how could you have that beautiful foreshadowing? Easy, because she was looking at an eyeless little doll. <laughs> My other thing to fix it was I would have edited it um, for grammar. Did you also feel like every sentence was trying to do so much and then said so little? Yeah, that too. I was actually talking just like technical stuff. Like we've got like an apostrophe after a quote mark and the mother saying she's broken, sweetie, that's all? Question mark. Which is, like, just strange. And the sentence, someone who'll fix her give her love again. That made me angry. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. Uh, oh, was your favorite part the part where it took legitimately two paragraphs to describe how she throws things out in the dustpan? No, my favorite part was when the power goes out and also her calculator goes out. <laughs> I read over that part three times being like, all right, is this a clue that something spooky and supernatural is happening? That the calculator is out as well as the overhead lights in the computer? Because calculators are a battery operated situation. The power goes out in my house. I can still calculate. Yeah, well, unless you've got one of those like solar panel ones and then it's like the lights go out and your calculator's out too. But those usually have like a battery backup. That's true. So why... <laughs> I am tempted to actually just read this entire section about her just, like throwing things out, but it would take too long. Like, I am stunned at this inclusion that so much of the story was taken up by her, the description of her sweeping up something and throwing it in a garbage can. So much of the 18 out of 36 promise pages were taken up by her throwing something in the garbage? At the risk of starting to sound a little bit like CinemaSins, why did she tell her daughter about the doll being a corpse anyway? Because how else would the reader know? A customer could come in and ask. That's how I would have done it. But then you'd have to write more than two characters. <laughs> the customer could actually just be the customer said, why doesn't doll have not have eyes? And then be like, oh, it does have eyes. Why aren't they in? And then she'd be like, well, you know, sometimes they're corpses. Like, <laughs> she talks about how her child has been disturbed and sad and generally acting like pretty stank since the dad disappeared. And then she's like, what if I made this worse? <laughs> and you see that fucked up, fucked up doll with no eyes? That's a dead kid. Which is what you're going to be if you don't go to fucking bed. And she's not the one who acquired the doll. Her husband is. So he's the only one who knows its provenance because she doesn't know it and doesn't mention it. And it's not like written on index card anywhere. So like, how does she know it's a dead kid and not just a doll? Yeah, exactly. It feels like she says that specifically to upset her kid. <laughs> like she doesn't know that that is the provenance of the doll. She's actually just bringing it up because it might make her child more afraid. <laughs> like... Okay, another thing I would have changed uh, to the horror aspect being, like, scary. It's like, you say, like, oh, well, if they didn't have the little marbles in there, how is the foreshadowing? Probably the fact that the doll looks exactly like the kid. I would not do that. No? I would have the doll look exactly like the last kid. Oh. You know, you, you don't have to talk about what the doll looks like when you first see it, because that doesn't matter. But when you introduce the second part where the new girl looks at the doll and says... Hey, look at this doll, mommy. It's beautiful. It should describe the previous child we've had described to us. And that's how you know, like, ah, she's taking it. Like, for reasons unclear, 
the doll looks like every little girl looking at it. Which is a particularly bad way to, like, lure in a little kid, by the way. They're not that stupid. I don't know. I feel like several doll brands have made their buy a doll that looks less like your child marketing their entire cornerstone of their business. That's an excellent point. I guess I'm just basing this off the fact that Emily, the little girl in the story, was unequivocally and vocally upset by the fact that the doll looked just like her. Which, like, seems to me a bad way to get in the little girl's life if you're an evil doll. While we're nitpicking... There's a point where the doll very clearly breaks out of its case and crawls up to the little girl's room and the mom finds it there and blames (laughs) the little girl for bringing the doll up. And she's upset that the little girl has presumably touched the doll because the doll is very expensive. So she then picks up the doll and throws it at her daughter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like... If the whole point is you're mad because she touched an expensive thing, why are you chucking it around? That happens after the little girl goes to visit the doll and the alarm goes off, right? Yes. And then for some reason, the mom threatens the child with a shotgun, which was also my favorite part. So logic would dictate that if your kid got out of bed to get the doll and set off the alarms in your store, that would have happened again, yes? If the if the child had to come back to get the doll the second time? You'd think. And also, I do not know what it accomplishes by taking the doll. You, Yeah, like you said, don't touch it. And then you whip the fucking thing like halfway across the room. At your four-year-old child, and here's the thing about four-year-olds, they're doing their best, but their hand-eye coordination really isn't quite there yet. Look, the reason you play catch with a child is to help develop that. Four-year-olds honestly aren't even super good at the, like, yes you can, no you can't yet. So, like, even that is an overreaction. But, like, even if you're a callous, terrible parent... Whipping it at the child, you are banking a lot on the child being able to catch it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know what, they should have had, like, one unnecessarily long sentence that was like, Emily had always been preternaturally good at catching things if you threw them at her. (laughs) Also, I don't understand the purpose of the, like, throwaway line about the doll talking to the little girl and the little girl trying to protect the doll. Why would any of that matter if the doll is, regardless of anything that's happened previous, going to storm up and rip out her eyes? This all feels very much like the outline for a horror project that hasn't yet been developed. Like, this is what you lurch away at midnight and scrawl onto the notepad on your bedstand. You know? Yeah. Also, the city doesn't seem super concerned with the fact that, like, at the end of the story, three people have gone mysteriously missing. I did have a relevant quote for that because that also struck me. So this is an actual line of dialogue from the real estate agent trying to sell the antique store to the woman with the daughter buying the antique store. Dialogue, mind you. After the police finished investigating, the bank waited an appropriate amount of time before they finally said the place must be sold. (laughs) How much time? Oh, you know, the correct amount. Thank you. Whatever amount of time they waited, be assured it was appropriate. It was three days, but it's okay. Like, again, this feels very much like an outline. This feels like the phrase, an appropriate amount of time, was supposed to be in brackets and then, like, researched before publication. You know? Yeah. Also, what- does the doll really like divorcees, or, like- The dolls does seem to prey on newly single mothers. I guess, just, like, when you do a horror villain, the question you have to ask is, why is it doing this? I'm not saying that, like, you have to give it, like, a fucking, like, really, really in-depth backstory. If it's- it likes to kill, that's fine. But I don't know why the doll is doing this. It seems to have, like, a motive, and then I guess it gets, like, it just kind of gets tired. Like, it's like, oh, okay, I got the eyes, and I guess, soul? I don't know what happens with the transactional, like, part with the doll and the kid. 
And then the doll's just like, I am um, also going to kill everyone else alive in this house. And like, why did I kill the dad? Did it look like the dad? Like, you're, I, th- I feel like you're meant to assume the father was killed by the doll. Because the father's disappearance is never explained. The wife just assumes he walked out. Yeah. But then at the end, when the police are investigating and the bank is waiting an appropriate amount of time, the real estate agent mentions that the whole family of three just vanished, which implies that no one could find the father after his wife and child went missing. Yeah. And you'd assume they'd be looking pretty hard for him at that point, because if a wife and child go missing, the estranged husband usually did it. They wouldn't be selling the crime scene, certainly. Uh, ideally. But D, the bank waited an appropriate amount of time. It was an appropriate amount of time. What a great grasp on time I had from that sentence. (laughs) Yeah, well, and like, it mentions, I believe, three whole separate times, like, it gets brought up that the last thing he did before disappearing was bring the doll in. Yes. Like, he got the doll, and then an appropriate amount of time passed, and he disappeared. So, like, the assumption that the audience is going to come to is the doll had something to do with it. My question is, why? (laughs) What does the doll want with a fucking middle-aged man? You don't have to explain everything. In fact, it's better if you don't in horror, but you have to explain something. Like, a little bit. You don't have to explain why. Like, the doll doesn't have to come out and be like, I took the father because, like, but if the doll had, like, a button that was on the dad's, like, like, oh, that, like, that that sweater looks like it used to belong to my husband. That's so strange. Something like that. Just, like, if the doll is collecting parts of people, that's a motive. And that would explain why it's killing people other than the little girl. Because as far as I can tell, the little girl's all it had <laughs> eyes for. Ho Right? Am I going crazy here? No, I'd say you're on point. I guess I would be as confused if the doll killed a man for its sweater, but like... It would be something. It would be an connection. <laughs> and that might even work better, because then you know that this doll is capricious and has absolutely no, like, attention to human life. That's fine. Now, Dee, what does... The platonic ideal of a haunted antiques doll story look to you. The platonic ideal of a haunted antiques doll. I don't know if this is gauche to say. I just like when the dolls are haunted by someone who has unfinished business that you need to solve. I always go for those stories. Because it's already such a human figure that the audience is going to personify it. Yeah. And the doll can be capricious and harmful. The doll can be evil for all we care. It just has to be something. Yeah, but if it's just like, I had to solve a mystery, even if it's a small mystery, like, where is the doll's locket? I had to solve a mystery to appease the spirit that has taken residence in this doll. I like those stories. Like, obviously, I assumed that there's a spirit in this doll, because like you said, it's a doll, so I immediately personified it. But I don't know what it wants. It's not gonna stop, so obviously getting the child's eyes appearance? (laughs) It wants eyes, but it also continually wants eyes, instead of the perfectly good pair of eyes it has lying right next to it. Why not just take those eyes, but no. Or, like, I mean, after you killed the first kid, like, there you go, eyes. Put them in. My theory is that the doll was continually replacing eyes because human eyes are made of water and are often one of the first things to rot. Ugh. So they wouldn't last the doll very long, but... Again, the doll also has a perfectly good pair of glass eyes lying right next to it. If there had just been maybe a throwaway line about how the doll smelled like rotting meat. Yeah, the sickly sweet scent of rot does a lot in a horror story. <laughs> yeah, and it, like that's fine too because the characters can write it off. It's an antique store. Things smell bad. I've been in it, I know. But like as the audience, we've already seen the doll take the eyes and we know that that smell is, like Ken just said, uh, the extremely gross idea of the eyes no longer being useful. At that point, you're getting really close to just rewriting Jeepers Creepers, but... But a doll. (laughs) But it's a doll. In fairness to Ken, the story is already basically just Jeepers Creepers, but a doll. 
Going off on your idea of needing to fulfill the doll's unfinished business, if the doll didn't have a perfectly good pair of glass eyes next to it and was in fact taking human eyes in effort to have eyes, I feel like giving it real doll's eyes, like eyes for a doll of glass that would last longer than human eyes, would do a lot towards appeasing the angry spirit within. Yeah, I thought, I, I like that, like, someone made a really cute comic about a haunted doll that decides not to kill the host because they restore it. Aww. And that makes me think of that thing you just said. And that's also, like, that could have also been, like, a whole tip-off when the mom says someone just needs to come along and love her again. And, like, maybe that would have banished the evil from the doll if the little girl had become obsessed with fixing the doll. Yeah. And, like, that would have been a story that I would have been like, neat! Yeah, the power of love banished the evil from this doll. Like, yeah, you know what? I don't care. I like it. It feels like this guy read Tales doll. Because, like, I don't- when I want a haunted doll story, if I see blood, I'm already kind of disappointed. Really? Yeah, it just- I know that you're going for the- the- ooh, the shocking contrast if it's a little porcelain doll and it took all the eyes out and the blood's everywhere, but, like, it's tired. The day there was all this blood and coincidentally in an antique store. Yeah, it's just- you can't be coy and have gore at the same time. You gotta pick one or the other. Yeah. It would have been different if I got to watch the doll's horrific bloodbath, maybe, and then I would have been like, oh, this is like shock gore gore All right, that's what it is. But it's a supposedly like a tense, spooky thing, and at that point when I see the blood, I'm like, all the air kind of goes out of the tension. And then the blood just keeps happening. It's like, oh, she finds blood on the wall, she finds blood on the sheepskin rug, she finds blood in the bed, and it's just like, yes, we understand. The audience reached this conclusion on the first page, and the remaining 17 pages of the supposedly 36-page story were meaningless. Exactly. Like, I only had to see a little bit of blood before I figured out what had happened. We get it. Can we move on now? Oh, that's it? That's all the story you have? That's it. Wow. Okay, sure. I was trying to figure out if- was it Emily in, like, just the little girl in the case? Yes. And it wasn't a doll that looked like Emily in the case. Correct. So she found the doll, and the doll was covered in blood. Yes. The doll had put her daughter in the case and taken her eyes. I just reread it. The blue eyes shone from the doll's face. Those are Emily's eyes. Emily in the case, there's blue eyes. Yeah, the glass eyes. The doll eyes. The fake eyes were the right color. What the fuck was the- What is this doll's damage? <laughs> it really bothers What is your me. damage? <laughs> it's your damage. Gonna ask that of every haunted doll I encounter now. <laughs> I'm gonna ask that of every damaged doll I encounter now. I am continually thinking of ways to make the story work. Like, I'm so frustrated. Like, like you said, it feels like an outline of all possible ways you could take your haunted doll story. Like, what if the first girl got killed for mistreating the doll, and then the second girl appeased the doll by loving it and taking care of it and fixing it? And then it's like, it's tense because the second girl is still in danger, but she doesn't know it. Exactly. And also, like, less blood. We're adults. If I want to see blood, I'll watch Saw. So about the rating, four and a half stars out of five. No way, really? Is that the official rating? That's the official rating. I didn't even look. <laughs> Do you think it's deserved? No. <laughs> no, I don't. If only because it's so short and you made me pay for it. <laughs> like, I would knock off a star for that. It's half the promised length and you charged me human dollars. Yeah. So like already knock off a star from five for that. So we're at four. Now, is the content of the story not very good? Knock off a star. I'd say three is fine. It's short, so it didn't waste a lot of my time and it had a lot of ideas. It had one idea. Two, at most. That it failed to develop in any meaningful way. 
Okay, three is being very generous. I would say three because it was spelled and formatted mostly correctly. Yeah. It was readable, if not enjoyable. And again, it was short. And the price was not insane. So I'd say it's still, yeah. It was shorter than they promised me, which honestly just makes me angry. Yeah, that is irritating. If you couldn't tell by now, I'm (laughs) still kind of hung up on it being already a short story and then literally half of that already very short length. Yeah, that is uh, a little bit of false advertising. A little bit. I didn't pay you money so you could give me half a short story and then a fragment of chapter three of your novel. Thanks. Is it unfair if I bring in the cover too? I hate the cover. So you know what? Now I'm giving it a 2.5. The cover could use some work. The cover, um, graphic design is their passion. (laughs) And oh boy. Cover could use work. Again, the concept is strong because it's like a close-up of doll hair. But the way they've chosen to layer the text over it renders the text nigh on unreadable and robs the image of any of its striking quality. Yeah, agreed. So in a way, I guess the cover really does represent the story within. Oh, wow. Strong concept, poor execution. (laughs) This has been Ken's guide to judging a book by its cover. (laughs) Final thoughts on this very short story? Um, it was just okay. Are there any better stories of horror in antiques that you would recommend? No, I haven't found any, to be completely honest with you. Oh, dear. So it's an open market, you say? A completely open market. A niche waiting to be filled. I would say a completely underappreciated niche. There is a lot you could do there. And I'm not saying that I I have seen it, but when I'm talking about what I've seen is mostly on, like, our no sleep or, like, YouTube creepy pastas. And none of them were even remotely good enough to... No, they were bad. So, no, I haven't seen anything yet. We might have to do a future episode of the worst antiques creepypastas you can find. (laughs) Because now I'm invested. There are so many doll creepypastas that are literally just like the doll was leaking blood and it had killed my son. And it's Tales from Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm not making this up, I swear to God. Incredible. There's one where where a vintage Teddy Ruxpin starts telling a guy to kill himself at night. Like... (laughs) Do people know that you could just put different cassettes in Teddy Ruxpin and he'll say whatever the hell you want? They don't know that, I don't think. (laughs) It's not like a Furby. There's no (laughs) pre-programming. Which reminds me of the creepypasta where the Furby keeps telling a guy to kill himself. Oh my god. I'm actually just kidding. The only Furby horror I've seen was a game that was extremely good. It's called Tattletale. Check it out. Sources for this episode include Stilton's Antiques by Bruce Blake. Check it out for yourself. It is a cheap and about half as long as you expect to read. (laughs) So it won't take up too much of your time or money. If you're a hardcore doll horror fan, then this might be worth your time. It's uh, it's a little bite-sized crunch. Crunch munch. Delicious eyes. If you would like to suggest other antiques horror stories for us to cover or just say hello, you can email us directly antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com or post in our Facebook group antiquesfreaksfriends or hit us up on Tumblr antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you liked hearing us get really nitpicky about the nature of horror and writing, you can scroll down to wherever you're listening to this and leave us a review. 10 out of 10. I would love to hear you guys review more, uh, frankly, bad writing. Or uh, 0 out of 10. What's this again? I didn't mean to come here. <laughs> if you would like to purchase some haunted artifacts of your own, you can check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash We don't think any of our vintage goods are haunted, but who knows? We'll find out. I have a little clown doll. And I have both my eyes, so so far things are going great. We will keep you posted. (laughs) 
We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks where you can listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire. Need more spooks and scares? Head over to patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. And get spooked. Special shout out to our current patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right. You. Au revoir. Goodbye.